right, welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. And this is another week where we get to share the good news that Michigan has another W, another uh, one to go into the wing column, now sitting at 5-1 and one and 2-1 and one in the conference after uh, going on the road to face Indiana and finishing 27 to 20 in overtime. Uh, we'll get into the details here in a second. Um, but uh, Craig, do you want to get the voicemails out of the way? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go on. Get those here at the beginning and get those up and rolling. Fellas. Um, the end of the third quarter just came. <sighs> I don't, you know, where to begin, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Michigan's going to win this game. Like I said, it's, it's, it's the fourth quarter now. I, I just, <laughs> I, oh, man, in the end, man. <laughs> Go blue, man. Go because this, you know, you, if you if you say something against Michigan, you you you're doubting the. Co- I, I know they're young and all that, but man, just and I, I I'm hardly ever at a loss. Like I actually went to sleep in the second quarter. I took a nap. I was excited to get home. I didn't rush, and and this is this is what you come home. But now this, you know. Watching Michigan now, it just reminds me of some of the Brady Hope years. And, and I'm not saying Brady Hope was a good coach, but he was trash. I mean, he's trash in Tennessee, too. But it just reminds me of, of how, how you, I felt watching watching Michigan. You're just like, man. I mean, they, they uh, there's so many issues with this team. So, hopefully, you like next year there are no excuses as far as you, none. They should go undefeated. They better go undefeated and win the national championship. In the regular season, at least go undefeated. But th- this youth stuff, man, you got to stop with that. Like it's it's a there are a lot of issues with this team. <sighs> go blue. All right, and he uh, left us two voicemails here, so I'm gonna get the second one going too. Yo, it's, 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 it's Steven again. Normally I don't leave two voicemails. Why are we, why, you know, we got <laughs> Nico Collins, Oliver Martin, Brandon Peters, Kareem Walker. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand why you recruit players, but don't let them play. I, you got Crawford and McDoom. Like, McDoom is good for nothing but a jet sweep. He should have just gone to Oregon. He's, he's, it, like him, he's. A, I don't even know why they get his guy a scholarship. Other than other than the fact that people want to hear his name, what do you say? Like people say McDoom when he makes a play, but how how is he relevant to the team? Crawford. I don't I don't know what they see in these in in, in, in those two receivers. I don't, man. I, I'm I'm watching these guys. Like it's it's fourth quarter right now. It's about fourteen oh eight left. 
They're about to run the play. Second and 13. Uh, I don't know what the cable went out for some reason, man. I was direct TV, go figure. But I just don't understand, man. Like, I'm trying to get it with this staff and these play calls. Donovan Donovan is going to really hurt them on punts one day because he, he's just so willing to want to make a play instead of playing for the team. It's like he plays for himself sometimes on, on punts. Like, you know, where's Nico? Where, where, where's Oliver? Where, where's Brandon? Like, where are these people? I don't – man. Like, it hurts watching Michigan now. I guess that that's the, the – the consensus, wait till next year, but they're going to have a new quarterback next year. Why not play him now? Peters can't be so non-vocal to where they just won't play him. It, that cannot be the case. I refuse to believe that that's the only reason he's not on the field. It's because he doesn't take command of the huddle. I refuse to believe Spate and O'Connor are that far ahead of Peters. The guy never went to a, a, a camp. He's a self-made four-star. I refuse to believe he's that bad. Like, this defense gives it their all. And all you see all week are Michigan football, um, the Twitter handle, talking about we're ready. We're, I mean, no, you're not. No, you're not. Penn State defensive coordinator is probably just laughing, like, really? And Penn State's not even that good on defense. But I'm, I'm worried about that Penn State game. I'm not worried about the Wisconsin game. Ohio State, I'm a little worried about that game. I, I, don't, I don't know. For y'all, talk to me. Craig and Caleb, talk to me, man, because I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't. All right. Thanks for keeping it real, Stephen. Definitely uh, real talk there in those couple voicemails. Uh, Craig, where do you want to start off with the conversation with that? Well, obviously, you know, Stephen's frustrated. I mean, you can you can tell in his voicemail and his voice. And, you know, when you get on Twitter, it's a little bit different because you don't really have a tone. You can't have account for tone on that but uh you could see just you and i being on social media and knowing about that and having connection with a lot of michigan fans it it, it it's the consensus that this it, it, michigan's frustrating to watch you know they really are and i don't blame him because we walked in i mean we you and i talked about this is that you know what happens when you get a team like michigan who loses to a rival at michigan state in the obviously bad weather and just we didn't play well and you know what and you come back um you kind of you and i expected and we talked about the whole does michigan play angry and this was a perfect game for you know the weather was fine to come back and just be upset that michigan state beat you at home and it didn't really seem like anybody wanted to take the game away and it's frustrating to watch i mean especially the offense i don't blame them um every michigan fan if you're out there and you literally think there's nothing wrong with this offense and it's frustrating to watch them you are you're you're delusional i'm sorry but it's true and you and i both were sometimes at a loss of what's going on so yeah well i got one word boring <laughs> that too dude you know what he said you're taking a nap <laughs> Yeah, almost that too. I I can't really blame him because yeah, I'm. It it was a born. Now, okay, here's the here's the thing that I'll say because I was talking with our friend Brandon about it while the game was going on and everything. I will take a born game that is still a decent performance and Michigan wins. Right. Heck, at this point, I'll take a born game and maybe even an ugly game that Michigan wins, which was the case kind of Saturday. But 
you don't want that to be the normal. But yeah, it was it was boring. I mean, it was uh, just the same kind of frustrations that Steven's having. I think everybody. I I don't think there's a single person, a uh, single Michigan fan that doesn't have some sort of frustration with what's going on. Maybe it's right. not the same as everybody else, but for any, I have not run into a fan that says that they are completely fine with everything that's happening and everything is just, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Right. Um, so everybody's finding issues somewhere. Uh, a couple of things that he touched on, uh, I was going to plan on touching on later, but since he brought them up, uh, I will talk about them now. I, I, I mean, it's kind of funny because that he brought up this specifically. I share some of his issue with McDoom where Mc, I, I think McDoom is good. And, and he even said it, McDoom is good at specific things. And I got in a conversation with somebody on Twitter about where McDoom has his specific talents and it's, you know, sweeps outside plays and things like that. But then it seems like sometimes, and so you see it, I think most evident with McDoom, but you kind of have to imagine that also happens with other players as well. Maybe I'm not catching it or uh, remembering it well enough, but they're trying to force him to do something that he's not very good at. Maybe he's better at it in practice, but it's been multiple games now that they've been doing passes to him and he doesn't catch. Right. He doesn't. I mean, that that's just plain and simple. So it's just like, so how about in third downs, we try not to, you know, run a play that is not shown to be successful. Yeah. Well, and then you're looking at, I mean, well, and you and I probably have a conversation during, you know, when we, during the rest of this show, but, uh, you think about it, you know, are you playing? He, he brought up an interesting point is, you know, you got uh, Nico Collins, you know, six foot five, a big weapon. You got Martin, obviously great hands. Uh, Sean Lee, I think that's how you say his name. I'd probably say it wrong, but um, another guy. And yeah, they're all young. They're, they all haven't played a snap at Michigan at all. But we're talking about are, are, is he is Jim Harbaugh and the staff devoted to veterans? You know, and are they playing veterans even if these veterans aren't capable of playing up to maybe what the freshmen would do? You never know. You don't know until you try these people out. Obviously, like you said, McDoom seems to have a lot of struggles, and then you got uh, Crawford. In, in my opinion, just doesn't seem to play up to that four star high four-star level that he came in as. I mean, he's dropped a lot of balls, has a lot of miscues and things like that. So those are a lot of things you and I have touched on that, you know what, that's the whole frustration we get out of. these. Are, we're not even talking about, remember, this is an offense that we keep saying we keep harping on they're young. I get it. I understand that. He's right. But yet you have to remember a lot of these mistakes and a lot of these players aren't starters. McDoom's not, Crawford's not, none of these guys are. They've played before. McEwen, Acorn, all these players, and they actually play like they're freshmen. Yeah. And and that's the that it, I almost gotta keep hammering that home to the Michigan fan bases. You realize that. I'm not I'm not talking about the offensive line at certain points. I'm not talking about some you know, a People's Jones and, and Tariq Black. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about 
this offense, there's certain offensive line, certain offense players, weapons that are, they're not, they're veterans and yet they're not playing like it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that kind of goes back to a previous conversation that we had about development. Right. Like the yeah. defense is not having the same issues. Now, granted, they're completely different players, and so they have completely different work ethics and things like that. But, I mean, you have to imagine that with the type of players that Harbaugh and his staff have been recruiting, that you have a need, that spread evenly between the defense and the offense. So what then is the difference? I say it comes down to coaching. Offensive coordinator, there's just no development. This is the same issue that we had before Harborough came to town, that there's, uh, it was the whole team before, and now you just see it with offense where defense is doing fine with it. Defense, as everybody's saying, is still a national championship-level defense, but what is happening on the offensive side? It's just totally jacked up. And to... Uh, talk specifically about uh, one other thing that Steven was talking about before we kind of go all in with the uh, review of the game and everything. He was talking about uh, some of the quarterback play and then Peters and uh, things with that. Always a hot topic every single week and everything. And I mentioned during the game, or maybe it was even after the game, John O'Corn did a good job of not turning the ball over. There were no turnovers for the team this week, um, so uh, so that was good. And we and we mentioned that how that's kind of what the offense just needs to do: don't turn over the ball and play uh, smart football. So, but while he was playing decent football, of you know not turning over and everything, the offense wasn't productive. Well, like, not least, yeah, there wasn't a lot of productivity outside of Cron Higdon. There was right. really no production for uh, – not much production for the offense. And it was pointed out that the offense or the passing game was essentially scrapped. Uh, at least that's what it looked like. And I understand that there's a preference. And honestly, if you can do it, if you can do it and you can dominate it and you can win the game, I'm all for it. Michigan just hasn't had it for years. Where if you can just run the ball and you can beat a team, go for it. Right. But – this obviously looked like a game, especially in the first half, where it was like Michigan is going to is trying to come out and be even with running the ball and passing the ball, and they just could not do it passing the ball. At the, by the end of the game, they had twenty uh, attempts, only completed fifty percent of them. Their attempts, twenty, were less than the number of completions that Indiana had. <laughs> Indiana had twenty-one completions. Right. So that yeah. was deliberate. And no no offense, yes, the running game wound up working out later, but it's not like the running game was working that well that they were just like, oh, we don't need to pass it. No, the passing game was just not working at all that they just went to the running game. Right. Yeah. So yeah. There, there are those two options. It's just like, <laughs> hey, the, the running game's working well enough. Let's just go with that. Or B, the passing game is absolute trash. Let's just do the running game, which – Obviously, they kind of went with option B. And uh, O'Corn was asked about it after the game about, you know, why. Uh, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but essentially, like, why was it focused or why did the passing game not really take off and everything? And it was his response was more of like the running game was working and everything. And it's just like, I know that's the answer and you're not really going to get the answer and everything. But no, it wasn't working. And 
I've been kind of on the side of John O'Corn. I mean, of at least like giving him a shot because kind of like what we said, he did a good job against Purdue. He did what he needed to do, and he did a relatively good job on the road. Michigan State was a mess weather-wise and everything, and uh, play calling, we just – everybody ripped into that game. So this was another game where he could come out, he could start, he could show if he's consistent at being relatively decent with passing the ball or not. And he showed that he wasn't, and it wasn't – it didn't come down to play calling because there were certain plays where there were open receivers, and he was doing what we've seen yep. – Wilton Spate do where he wasn't going through his progressions and or he was just focused on one receiver and completely missed other options on the field. Yeah, and he did. And you can't I'll have to say, even in this game, I was pretty much eyeballing whether this offensive line was bad. Because uh in the MSU game, they were bad. And I'm looking at this game and I said, you know what? This offensive line's doing a pretty okay job i mean they did it with Karan higdon the guy had they blocked well um they got he had a record year i mean for himself a uh, career record i mean as far as him being at michigan he did great and he ran angry which was great to see but this offensive line did a great job in blocking and then they did a pretty good a job with the passing it's just that Corn had happy feet. He kind of would defaulted back to the way he was, and he he in a way when he starts getting happy feet, I I watched him intently on to see what he's doing. And you're right; he either stares down one guy, or he isn't looking down the field, and he literally looks about ten yards in front of him. He does not look even twenty yards beyond to see if anybody's open, and. There was actually there was uh, I saw Perry in the flat wide open wide open it was a touch he could have had a touchdown but he would have saw him and he stared down one player and one player only and it was those are the things that are very unnerving to see and it seems like they don't change and it just seems that he has a difficult time finding uh, moving the ball he just really does and I feel like he just kind of regressing from the Purdue game so. Yeah, and I think some of the things that you were talking about, too, is what I saw where he had open receivers to his left. Yes, and so, right. Yeah, he, so he, he has to his right. Yeah. yeah. Time, yeah. So he has to do that progression. He either has to go through the progression from the right side of the field to the left, or he needs to start at the left and go to the right. But so many times it just seems like the left side of the field doesn't exist. And it almost looked like the defense was playing that way. Like, they were so far off some of those receivers. It's just like you don't even have to put your defense on the left side of the field because O'Corn's never going to see it. Yeah, and I I understand throwing from, you know, one side of the field to the other, and it's always bad news. But there are some players that are just wide open, even in towards the middle of the field that he could have caught, and he didn't. And it and you know what? I can't even say it's all corn because the receivers don't help because they drop balls. So there's a lot of things I went, you guys aren't even helping them out. You guys, these this receiving core is having really difficult time catching the simplest balls. I'm, I'm not even talking, look, we get you're young, but these are balls right in your hands and you can't even make the catch. And that's frustrating. Yeah, that does not help the situation. That's for sure. So yeah, it, so it's it's all around 
not a lot of people helping the situation. Kron Higdon helping the situation, that was for sure. Um, but to finish kind of off this quarterback talk, at least kind of for right now for myself, um, a, a lot of people are like, put in Peters, it can't be any worse than this. Um, kind of a news flash. it could be worse because, like I said, the one really great thing that John O'Corn did this game, which I don't know, I didn't go back and I should have checked, that I don't think has happened in any other game this year maybe, is the quarterback did not turn the ball over. Right. I don't think that's happened in another game yet this year because there have been interceptions and fumbles, I believe, in every other game. So he that was good. And to go ahead and put Peters in for his first game like that, you don't know what you're going to get. I'm not saying that you know it's going to be bad or anything, but – when people are saying it can't be any worse than this, well, yes, technically it could. Um, so I think people are overlooking that. But then we're here we are now, and I don't really want to get into a whole lot. Yet it's going to be a huge question what's going to happen now because we're going into Penn State week, which also is college game day, which is a night day or a night game, which is a whiteout. <laughs> and so I don't really see Peters getting the start with that, but that's conversation for the next episode. But I did, sorry, excuse me, want to make mention of that for all the people who are like, put in Peters now. And it's just like, yeah, you guys realize that putting a guy in fresh like that, you might get some turnovers, which we definitely could not afford because we saw how that game ended. Yeah, you're right. And obviously the Peters, start Peters right away is happening i mean and it's dividing michigan fans you get one side that wants them the other side doesn't and and uh, to be complete this is what make this part right here is what makes doing these shows just difficult for you and i because there's times i can understand why people want peters because they have this hey we don't know he's been here a year where's the development this guy can't be just, you know, like Steven said, he's just sitting on the bench and he's not getting any shot. You don't know whether he's going to be good or bad. He did do pretty good in the spring game, so we had something, a little bit of something. And, you know, but this all comes, look, this all comes down to the same thing you and I have talked about every season, every time, and it drives me nuts and it's, I'm getting pissed thinking about it, is I'm sick and tired of every time these games, like Hoosiers, Air Force, Cincinnati, these games we should be blowing out. And yet, and then when the fourth quarter comes and we've blown these teams out, then you get Peters in, they get some game time experience. The guy has hardly any. And this is what I'm talking about. It happens every year. You get these freshmen that should come in there who haven't started, just like him, getting game time experience, and they don't. And every year we get these games where we're, our, our starting quarterback has started pretty much all four quarters. And then you don't you don't get to see Peters in there throwing the ball down the field or something. They get they get him in here, and he's handing the ball off. Well, that's not really starting. I mean, he's not really doing much. When you want, I, I think we want to see that. We want to see us beating teams like Air Force and Cincinnati, and we're not even getting that. And that's frustrating, man. That's what frustrates me because you're right. Don't put Peters. I would never put it in Peters against Penn State. That's a that's not a great idea to do. But yet, there I could see at times where I'm like, you know what? If you're playing Rutgers and you're up by what, four touchdowns, yeah, get him in there, play him for a whole half, see what he can do. 
Heck, yeah. You could even have them start that game. It's a home game, and if things go really bad at the beginning, you could swap them out pretty quickly. But right, right. maybe recover. But, yeah, on the road at Penn State, not so much. But to add to your point, we haven't had games like that where you can put in second string um, since those three shutout games in 2015. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's pretty ridiculous and honestly and that does not revolve around the defense the defense even in 2015 was doing a pretty good darn job and so really honestly it talks up to the issues with the offense the offense cannot be productive enough even last year with the relatively decent offense that we had with the awesome wide receiver core that we had um the running backs were not um that highly developed or having the, the highest success with the bad blocking from the offensive line. But we had that great receiving core and we still could not get enough of a lead to put the backups in very often. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that, right. yeah, so that's not going to help in any year. That's not going to help, especially in this year, because yeah, next year there's definitely going to be a change at quarterback because of the quarterback situation and everything. So yeah, it's still frustrating to see. And so everything still, for me, points back to the offensive side of the ball, the development, and the coaching. Yeah, yeah, but. exactly. And, you know, and the thing was is I noticed you said something was really I totally forgot about, and then when you brought it up on Twitter, you tweeted it out, and I said, you're absolutely right. Is that whole, once you have a lead, you just need a first down to seal it. And yep. they, they did it again. It's like, here you go. Here's the ball again. And I'm like, you're kidding. You're letting them have the ball again. All you need is a first down. Seal the win, put your foot on the neck, and end it. And yet you did it again. And I'm going, why is it so difficult for this team to get a first down? Iowa last year, Ohio State, all those two games, we would have went undefeated. We would have been in the playoff. All we needed was a first down in the fourth quarter and would have been done with. But yet – did it again. You put, gave Indiana another chance to almost win this game. Yeah, and so what does that come down to again? Offensive side of the ball. Play call, play calling. Who calls the plays? Coaches. Yep. <laughs> right. That's what it comes back to all the time with this, with the issues that we've seen between last year and this year. Yeah. So uh, other things to talk about with this game. Um. Even though the defense did do really well and, uh, well, kind of for the most part and everything, this was kind of a rough game for them because I don't know if it's the most yards that Michigan has allowed a team to put up this year, but if it wasn't the most, it was, you know, not far behind because Indiana did put up 278 yards, even though the defense was doing pretty good. But for a while there, the issue with the defense was they were doing great on first and second downs, but then third downs, even third and long, they were just letting the plays blow up. And oh, yeah. Indiana marched down the field. Yep. So that was that was kind of crazy to see. But uh, you can't get down on the defense too much because once I mean, once again, every single game this year has been one basically by the defense this one most of all because of the goal line stand in overtime taking the four downs within what was it the five yard line and being able to finish out this game and get the win yeah yeah and 
you know, and you and I were talking about the offense and, you know, bad, you know, just not very good quarterback play, offensive line sometimes issues and receivers dropping passes and things like that. And then here you go. You say, okay, you know what? You can say, oh, Corn's not that bad. He doesn't have his, you know, he's, he's, doesn't have the time to throw. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. Okay, what's the receivers? Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> and then, you know, you can parcel any way you want. But then again, I'm going, then what do you talk? Then, then how do you explain the flag fest that went on? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> talking 16 penalties. Yeah. I mean, we tied a record at Michigan. <laughs> no, that, bro- that broke the record for the number of penalties. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think it broke it for the number of yards, but broke it for the number right. of penalties. So the number of penalties, right. I, I think I meant the yards, but yeah, you're right. And I'm going, okay, well then let's throw that out there, you know, discipline. And then when we had three penalties on one play, I don't know how the hell that happens, but it certainly did. <laughs> so uh, to me, it was just, it was undisciplined team. It was an undisciplined team all around. So there's a lot of issues. Yep. Blue Late ten point lead, couldn't get the first downs like you were saying, and then the penalties were awful. Like Michigan yeah. worked on discipline this week for controlling the ball and not turning over, which it did successfully. Uh, so give them props for that. But when you have sixteen penalties for one hundred and forty one yards, that equivalents to at least one turnover, if not two, because that is brutal. Because right. let me put these numbers out here. Michigan had a total of 329 offensive yards. Indiana had 200, 278. Indiana wound up having 55 penalty yards. So Michigan had that 141, like I said. The total then, if you add those to the yards that the offensive uh, the offense had for those teams, Michigan wound up having 384 yards then with those penalty yards. Indiana, being as far back as they were, which was, I believe, over 50 yards behind, wound up. Michigan had 384. Indiana then came in at 419. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about how you can't win a game when you have five turnovers. You're going to have a really freaking hard time winning a game when you have 141 penalty yards. Right. Yep. So, yeah, that that was – bad like Michigan right now is the most one of the most penalized teams in the in the country right now yeah yeah and it's we've already almost caught up to last year's penalties in 2016 oh I believe it (laughs) we're almost caught up to that and I'm like holy cow I think we're averaging eight eight little over eight a game that's just un wow. I mean, that's gotta. I mean, I don't know how do you how do you how do you use the you know run with the whole we're young train and how long you gonna keep using that term? Yeah, that's undisciplined there, right there. But I I would love to know, and I don't know if I've seen this broken down anywhere. How many penalties were on the offense and how many were on the defense? Right. Right. You know, obviously the defense had some play, you know, penalty plays too. And obviously Levert, was it the Levert Hill interception was one where, you know, I think he was called. That was a big play. Yeah. Obviously, you know, interception and he was called for pass, pass interference. So, but yeah, that, 
that was bad. And the Metellus one was not bad. was pretty bad with the unsportsmanlike conduct that put us back. And yeah. And then, and then also though, Michigan caught a break with that phantom pass interference. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jeez, I yeah. can't remember the result of that series. If Michigan scored or not, I can't remember what happened there. But yeah, that was definitely. Um, so with the yeah, I mean, you get three. You get three flags on one play. It was. Uh, a defend. Uh, it was offsides, and then we had a defender try to decided to hold. And then Maurice Hurst charged with roughing Indiana quarterback. <laughs> yeah. On one play, I was like, wow, I don't know sure I could follow that. Yeah, well, here's another thing, too, uh, for uh, – and I'm not, like, here to ride things on the defense, but just to kind of point out how it was just kind of um, not as a tightly run game this week or maybe not as productive. Uh, coming into this game, Michigan had only allowed 14 points in – the second half of all the games. And then they allowed in this game, 17 points in this one game then. So that's, uh, that's not exactly what you want to see, especially since Michigan is more of the, what we call the second half team where if they can have the lead or be tied at halftime, there's a really good chance of finishing out the game with the win. But when things like that, where you let up 17 points in the second half, that could not bode well for future games. Yeah, you're right. And here you go thinking, did Michigan, did Michigan get by Indiana? Um, I, I would say this. If a corn had thrown, like you said, a couple, if there would have been a couple fumbles or uh, interception, I would have said Michigan probably wouldn't have moved, probably would have lost this game. The very fact that it was, you know, that we didn't turn the ball over, I think it bode well for us to keep it alive, to run the ball, um, and it worked in our favor. But uh, it, they sh- certainly made it interesting because we haven't lost to Indiana since the 80s, and that would have been uh, bad news for us. Yeah. Yeah. Get by, did Michigan get by Indiana? Uh, yeah, you could kind of say that. I mean, because there was – I mean, they it was a twenty to ten game, and then they just let them come back, which was kind of ridiculous to see. And the and the defense got tired because the offense wasn't right. doing crap. Right. Um, so you you could phrase it that way, Michigan getting by Indiana. Um, but then another ridiculous thing to point out to get on the offense with um, and not getting first downs, not being productive. Uh, passing game, fifty-eight passing yards. That's just that's just stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the least that Michigan has had in like over fifteen years. Well, that just says back to what the narrative you were t- talking about earlier is. To me, it seemed like the passing wasn't working. We're going to have to run the ball, <laughs> and yeah. that's how it worked out. Not. Well, we're really running the ball well. Let's just throw a few passes. I didn't see. I didn't think that at all. It just seemed like we could not move the ball. We had receivers dropping the ball. A corn looked nervous. He was missing, overthrowing players. He just could not. No passes. The 
players weren't catching him, and he's overthrowing them. He looked nervous, and we just weren't moving the ball whatsoever. So he decided, man, we're going to have to run this ball. And Karan Higdon is – he was the man today, man. He ran angry. He's the one that ran almost in a way was the leader of this offense. He ran with purpose. He ran upset. He ran pissed off at losing to Michigan State in this game, and it was great to see. Uh, I just wish some of the other players would have done that. Yeah, well, he had over half of the team's offensive yards because if you took yep. out his 200 rushing yards, the rest of the team was only able to put up 129. Jeez. 129 total yards by the rest of the team. If you look at just the rushing yards, then there were yeah, only 70. Evans had, what, 21? Yeah, something like that, but 71, 71 rushing yards outside of Higdon's 200. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It, uh, there's issues on this offense, and, and it comes down to, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to get. There's going to have to be some pieces and parts and things moved around on trying to figure out how to get this passing game going. I mean, we're just going to need to get it going to, you know, in order to open up the run. And you can't rely on um, the running the running game all the time. I mean, the thing is, is I always – it is it is interesting to the fact is I have to give kudos to at least to him, Harbaugh and the coaching staff to stick with Higdon in this because there's a lot of times where – you know, you get a you get a running back who's the hot hand, who's doing really, really well, and he's in rhythm and doing great. And they go and put a different running back in to give him a breather. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay for maybe a, a one little series, but you need to get your hot hand out there and get him running. And at least they stuck with the hot hand. That was Karan Hignan. He ran great. And that I'm happy that they stuck with. And, and to me, I think they probably should stick with him against Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. Ty Isaacs uh, still showed some productivity and everything, and uh, there was some promise maybe with uh, what Kareem Walker could do. But uh, to mention, how about that one offensive play for Michigan in overtime? I mean, Higdon, I mean, there was definitely luck on that side there. But, yeah. that, I mean, because as soon as that play started and you saw him run into the back of the offensive line, I was so mad. I was just like, this is getting screwed up so bad by the offensive line. We're getting nowhere. We're going to lose yards because he was still behind the line of scrimmage. And then he just did his thing and waltzed right into the end zone. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, that was really, really frustrating to see. So, Yeah. But uh, but something else here to uh, kind of mention, I was going to mention it earlier, and I guess I kind of skimmed over it, but um, Michigan struggling with the third down conversion. Yeah. I mean, go, go figure with how bad the passing game is. And actually, oh, crap. I was going to try to look that up, and I forgot, so I didn't have time. I, um, I don't know how many of the attempts for third down were then passes. Okay. Because we all know very well that the passing game sucked. Uh, so, but yeah, two for 13, which was only 15%. Yeah. 
So the things, and that comes down, again, to just getting first downs when you need to get a first down, which has been the narrative for Michigan going on two years now. And you know another thing then, too, with that? And I'm gonna, I'm, I will say this over and over again to emphasize the point, and if somebody wants to provide a counter-argument, I will hear it. But that comes down to play calling, and that comes down to coaches. Right. You cannot come up with an efficient play to call on third down when you need to. Now, of course, everybody will be like, well, if you had a magic play that you could use on third down, you'd use it all the time. No, there are certain times and certain ways, and you should, especially in the second half, have a better understanding of what the defense has been throwing at you. Have something set up for third downs when you need it and work it. And don't do these passes on the sideline to McDoom. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to have to get something going with some of these outside receivers a little bit because they're not even remotely being used. Um, and as much as O'Corn or even Wilton Spade has been a, a letdown, the receivers, in a way, have too, and they haven't been developed whatsoever. And to me, I'm always going, you know what? Then you're going to have to – something has to get figured out um, on this offense when it comes to even catching the ball. And and I don't – like you, we talked about, O'Corn – you know, we talk. You we might say, "Hey, you know, I put Nico Collins in there, put uh, Martin in there, but that's fine." But why put them in there if you got a quarterbacks that just seem to be overthrowing and not feeling comfortable in the pocket? <laughs> so it's almost like, well, what's the use? Even if they are getting open, they're not being seen. <laughs> so there's times where I'm seeing players open a lot in the in this game. I'll say, "There's one open in the flat. There's Perry open." And he's eyeballing somebody else. And that's the frustrating part is we're not seeing even the open players for big big gains and touchdowns, and we're just literally not seeing them. So. Yeah, yeah. there were those couple opportunities about getting that those long passes down there and, you know, just, just that far in front of the receiver. I mean, do you feel Michigan after that game – and I wasn't sure where we're going to be in the, the AP poll, but did you think that us falling to number 19 was fair? I mean, I thought it was maybe a little bit unusual with everything else that happened with the top 25 teams, but honestly, I'm just kind of like, man, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I'm kind of gone. You know what? It, it, look, you, you can say, you can look at just record. And do the AT and AP poll like that, and you know what? I can understand why people are like, "Well, I don't get why we would drop two spots because of that." You know, we have or we have this many wins, as many as this team. Well, I got a feeling what they did was they looked at this game and said, "You guys should have been able to beat them and beat them good, and you did." And you went to overtime with the Hoosiers. You should have won. And they watched and they take that into account, and they said. This offense is not very good at all, and it shows, and it shows for long. It's showed this whole season. You got the VIP tickets, and yet it's not out of work. We're going to drop you to nineteen. Now, so I thought the same thing. Stop I went, eh. you. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just uh, looking up to see because I actually hadn't looked at the full standings yet. So. Um, 
Uh, yeah, looking at it. Oh, well, well, not too surprised about that, I guess, with other things. But, yeah, a lot a lot of different things that happen where it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, because I, I was going to say this, too, where it was just really kind of a bad performance for most of the top 25 teams against not the greatest competition. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, none of they're all at, what, 500 or less than 500? Yeah, so just kind of looking at this now, too. Yeah, uh, Michigan State now ranked right ahead of Michigan. I mean, okay, they re- won their road game at Minnesota. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, we don't really talk a whole lot with the polls until the playoff poll comes out because that's the one that winds up mattering then. But, yeah, honestly, Michigan is kind of lingering there on the edge of the top 25 because of its offense. And we've said this before that it's just kind of like wherever they fall, it's kind of, you know, their own fault because yeah, their defense, if the, if you did it by defense and then by offense, their defense would be there in the top five, easy, probably the top two, but yeah. then you put the offense offense isn't even top 25. So that's the reason why the whole team falls all the way down to the 19th spot in that range. I mean, honestly, when you want to compare Michigan's offense to the other um, offenses there between 20 and 25, they probably would easily get um, destroyed with comparing the stats for offense to offense. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you boil down this offense in going into Penn state, you just say, up to this date, this offense is just way out of sync, man. They just are. If you had some words to put together, you know, let, those are the words I come up with. They just seem out of sync. And just seems like like we were talking about we're getting by on – we're scraping by on this offense, even though the defense is doing well. We're doing just enough to win, but – we're scraping by, and we said there's going to be games. We're talking about games here, plural. We're going to need the offense to pull its weight and win win some of these, and that was against uh, Michigan State. If we had just one small series, we would have won that game. And two, we aren't even hitting the toughest teams yet, and we've got a big one coming up. And the number, te- number two team in the country, and we're going, like you said, all those variables are going to be the fan base is crazy. They got one of the biggest <laughs> stadiums in the country, and and we got Wisconsin and Ohio State coming. So it's this offense has a lot, a lot of work to do. I just don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, you and I are not, like I said, you and I aren't offensive coordinators, but um, – we know when something's just not doesn't seem to work, and you can tell it from Jim Harbaugh when he's every time he goes to the media after the game, you can tell he just looks like we're trying this and it's not working. We're trying this and it's not working. We've tried this, we practiced this, that's not working. I mean, I feel like I I know he's working at it. It's just not seem it doesn't seem to be producing in game time situations. You know, it might be working in practice, but it's not working during the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. Short of, I don't think you're going to see a lot of change and much shake up with the offense short of seeing Drevno 
fired and somebody else completely start taking over the play calling, which I don't see that happening really at all. I don't know if that's Harbaugh's M.O. of ever firing a coach during the season. I don't think it is. So chances are this is probably what it's going to relatively look like for going forward. And then during the offseason, most likely there will be change. Can't even guarantee that, but most likely. So, yeah. Uh, to kind of review some things from this game, though, because uh, we had our uh, lock and dump it and uh, the odds and everything. Michigan was num- uh, negative seven coming into this game. Some had it negative 6.5. The over-under was 47. So actually kind of funny because the total was exactly 47. And if you went with the negative seven, that would have been a bust because it was spot on. But uh, we had the U of M defense would not allow any second-half points, and we both dumped that, which was correct because Michigan allowed a season-high 17 in the second half. Mm -hmm. We had Michigan will not fumble the ball once this game. You dumped that, Craig. I locked it, and that actually turned out to be a lock because there wasn't a single turnover for Michigan, uh, fortunately, which was nice to see. And then we – then we had Michigan defense will have more sacks than the Indiana defense, uh, which we both wound up dumping that and were incorrect because Michigan left the game with two sacks and Indiana had zero. And granted, some of that credit goes to O'Corn because he was able to get out of some nasty situations. So, yep. and these, as for the score predictions, though, we're both relatively close. Uh, I mean, technically kind of even when you, depending on how you want to look at this, because the final score was 27, 20, you had 24, 21, Craig, um, which was then if you take the point difference from both scores, that's four points different. And I had 31, 20, which would be the exact same four point difference just with the Michigan score there. So we're both pretty close on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for you to drop drop that 30. <laughs> My scores have been going down lower and lower every time with Michigan. Yeah. I don't want to be. I'd love to be in the 30s, man. That's In the beginning, I was, and I'm just dropping down going the, the way. Well, another stalled red zone. I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that, so. I will say this, you know, the one lock is like death taxes and Norton to kick in a field goal on the first drive or something. Yeah, um, yeah, that should be one. The first score for Michigan will be a field goal. Field Man, goal. I'll never, yeah, I'll never bet you on that. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, Michigan's struggling to be able to get over 30 points since playing Florida, putting up 33, and playing Cincinnati, getting 36 uh, ever since then, it was 29, then 28, then only 10, and then 27. So, yeah. Right. So, probably a low-scoring one against Penn State, but we'll talk about that more next time. So, all right. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to take a minute to talk a little bit about um, – the other Big Ten games and kind of go over some of the scores, which actually would be lovely if, yeah, nothing ever wants to work when you want it to. So, 
see if I can pull this up real quick. And then we'll talk about it. Yep, so Michigan winning in overtime against Indiana. Let me look at these other ones here and pull them all up. Did you watch any other Big Ten games this weekend? Uh, I watched, well, I watched Ohio State drubbing of uh, Nebraska, so. Yeah, that... Yeah, see, that's the thing, too, where it's just like you want to see Michigan play games like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And while Michigan's still winning, but it's not in that fashion. So, yeah, other Big Ten games then this weekend. Rutgers beat Illinois 35-24. They were on the road for that win. Purdue went on the road to Wisconsin and kind of put up a fight uh, because it was only an eight-point game. Uh, They wound up losing, though, 9-17. Northwestern uh, taking on Maryland on the road, finishing them off 37-21. to Like you said, Ohio State just drilling Nebraska, finishing 56-14. to And Michigan State having a close one against Minnesota on the road with the final score of 30-27. to So, yeah. That's what's going on in your Big Ten Conference. How about that? Yeah. So uh, the only undefeated that remain, Penn State and not surprising Wisconsin because it's like Wisconsin's road to an undefeated season is almost paved there because their most difficult games are at home. But we'll see how, what Michigan has to say about that when that time comes around. So uh, anything else here, Craig, before we kind of wrap it all up? Well, just, you know, West Michigan fans, I mean, we we love our team. It's, it's passionate whether, whether what side you're on as far as the whole quarterback debate. I understand why people want. I understand why people want Peters. I mean, I I, I, I can see why. Um, I can see why people don't want Peters. But um, we, for us to know what throwing in Peters would do better, we don't know, and we don't know if he'll get crushed and be terrible. To pres- presume he would is is ridiculous, but. To say that he's going to do amazing, it's also ridiculous. So you and I are kind of we, – we're stuck. We're only here to give our opinion. But um, uh, we, all I can tell you is, yeah, this offense has to play much, much better. It has to be more disciplined. And there's, uh, this offense has to get rolling before we go into uh, – and go play, uh, play the Lions. And got to get it going. So. Yeah, and I'll say with uh... – those penalties and everything, you are not going to be able to do that and get by Penn State. No. Yeah, no. so that's definitely going to be something that has to be looked at this weekend. You know that they're going to, but, yeah, that's that's not going to fly against a team like Penn State. You can do that against Indiana. You can probably do it against Cincinnati and Air Force. Maryland. Um, probably Purdue, uh, but teams like Florida and Michigan State and Penn State, not going to fly. So they got to be looking at that and working on that this week. So, all right. Well, it's, uh, is the beginning of the week. We hope your weekend went well and that this week goes by quickly for you and the weekend and football comes back as soon as possible. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll finish off with Go Blue. Go Blue.